This episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by MUBI, a curated streaming service showcasing exceptional films from around the globe. For your free 30-day trial, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. You can tell from the spurs on my arms and the cracks in my hips and the dents in my car and the blisters on my lips that I'm not the carefulest of girls. You can tell from the glass on my Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show, the movie review podcast from filmstage.com. As always, I'm your host, Brian J. Rowan. With me today, we have Rob and Barr. Hello. We also have Bill Graham. Not the worst person. Are you sure about that? Debatable. Oh. <laughs> How do you say hello in Norwegian? It's probably like tag or something. I don't know. Guten tag. Hol- That's Hol- German. I feel like it's just h- hello, but like somehow they got a J in there somewhere. Hello. Hello. Like, you know, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> now that we've offended an entire European country, we can introduce our guest for this episode here with us today to help us talk about the worst person in the world, the movie, not Bill, Carlos Aguilar. Thank you for having me. You are so welcome. Thank you for joining us. Would you like to introduce yourself to the listening audience? Um, sure, yeah. I'm, uh, I live in Los Angeles. I'm a film critic and journalist. Uh, I'm a freelancer, so I write for a bunch of places like the LA Times, the New York Times, IndieWire, and a bunch of other places. Um, yeah. Awesome. And now you are here with us today again to talk about the worst person in the world. This movie uh, out now in theaters and on streaming. And um, it's uh, gotten award buzz. And uh, we're here to talk about it. Before we get into that, all of the usual stuff. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Film Stage Show, Facebook, The Film Stage Show. And of course, you can email us uh, podcast at thefilmstage.com. And uh, what else? Uh, give us a comment rating on iTunes. You can also become a patron and help us to create this uh, podcast by going to patreon.com slash the film stage show. And we are brought to you, of course, by Mubi, the curated streaming service that showcases exceptional films around the globe every day. Mubi premieres a brand new film, whether it's a timeless classic, a cult favorite, or an acclaimed masterpiece. It's guaranteed to either be a movie you've been dying to see or one you've never heard of before, and there will always be something new to discover. With movie, each and every film is hand-selected by their gorgeous curators, so you'll never spend more time looking for something great to watch, and instead, you'll actually be watching something great. It's like your own personal film festival, streaming anytime, anywhere. Um, there is a thing on there now that I thought sounded just incredible. It's called Crimson Gold. Working from a script by Abbas Kiristami, Iranian maestro Jafar, Jafar Panahi, fashions a genre-adjacent thriller of ferocious intensity. Opening with an alarming heist sequence, Crimson Gold trawls the criminal underbelly of post-war Tehran for a fierce critique of the city's socioeconomic divide. Um, you all probably know that I love Abbas Kiristami. Y'all also probably know that I love a heist movie. So you can bet that I will be watching Triple uh, Nine and then following it up with Crimson Gold. And I will let you all know how that goes. And for you Mumblecore fans out there, Joe Swanbird's Drinking Buddies is also uh, available. Do we have any Swanberg fans on? I feel like it used to be that this podcast was vehemently anti-Swanberg. And now I just don't know anymore. I like Drinking Buddies. Okay, cool. That's the one with... um. 
it's got Jake Johnson and Kobe Smolders. Is that right? No, not Kobe. Uh, it might have Kobe, but it's also got uh, Olivia Wilde. Olivia Wilde. Oh, it's Olivia Wilde. You know what I was thinking of? I was thinking of Stumptown. <laughs> okay. Uh, Stumptown was a great show that got canceled. Um, but anyway, yes. So get ready to enjoy that. And um, I will not be watching that with Crimson Gold. I will be watching Crimson Gold with Triple Nine. If you would like to watch any of those movies or any of the others that are on Mubi, you can try it free for 30 days by going to mubi.com slash filmstage. Again, that's mubi.com slash filmstage for a whole month of great cinema for free. So, yeah, that's it. Um, unless we have any other stuff to talk about, uh, we can actually get into our review of The Worst Person in the World. All right. No one's yep, uh, jumping go. in with any uh, with any stuff to talk about. So let's uh, get into it. This movie, I'm going to read the IMDb summary. Um, I, uh, who wants to help me out with how to pronounce the director's name? Joachim Trier. Thank you. Uh, this movie directed and co-written by Joachim Trier. And this movie chronicles... F- four years? Oh, wow. I'm already confused. In the life of Julie, a young woman who navigates the troubled waters of her love life and struggles to find her career path, leading her to make, to take a realistic look at who she really is. And here is the trailer. Let's go, Potter. Okay. Okay. Hold it. Hold it. Are you okay, Trula? Are you okay? Are you okay? No. All right, I am almost positive that the rest of that trailer is just that song over muted clips of the movie. So let's uh, let's go on. Um, the worst person in the world again is out in theaters and on uh, video on demand now. So let's talk about it. Uh, we begin, as always, with our nutshell thoughts, and we begin with our guest. So, Carlos, what are your basic thoughts on The Worst Person in the World? Um, yeah, I love this movie. Uh, it's a movie about you know being in your early 30s and not knowing uh, what to do with your life and feeling that everyone else has everything figured out and that you're falling behind and it's about relationships and you know, about getting older. It's about this city. You know, it's a movie that's sort of like the third movie in a trilogy that this director made about Oslo. Um, and yeah, I just find it very refreshing with a great central performance. And I'm a big fan of the ideas and sort of the way it's sort of very fun and entertaining. But under that, there's this layer of very existential questions that, you know, anyone that's trying to still figure out, you know, what to do with the lives of where life is going, even if you're in your 30s, uh, feels very resonant. All right. Bill Graham. Yeah, I just finished this, and I really quite enjoyed it. Um, I was thinking that there was going to be much more hijinks than this, um, and I actually really enjoyed the kind of 12-part series thing that it's doing, um, broken up into little chapters and little chunks of her life. Um, But yeah, overall, I really enjoyed this. I think the performances... uh, 
particularly by the guy that plays Axel, uh, are fantastic across the board. So, yeah, really enjoyed this. All right. Robin Barr. I did not love this movie. Uh, And I think part of it may be because it should speak to somebody in my demographic. It's about a, a... woman who's very well educated kind of caught between different worlds, you know, different interests that go between academics and arts. Um, She lives in a city. She's contemplating having children. And these are all things that are very, very relevant in my life. And yet maybe it felt a little on the nose to me. It, it just, I couldn't understand why I was supposed to be interested in, in Yulia. And I couldn't really find much to like sink my teeth into and I want to get more into it later I did enjoy the last third of the movie ultimately it it flipped me a little but I still don't understand the resounding love for the movie overall it just some seems like kind of a basic story um I'm gonna be kind of on Robin's side um I I liked this movie I didn't think it was incredibly spectacular um I've heard uh i've heard i've heard from numerous people like just superlative things about it just like oh it's like the best of the last decade and it's 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 good you know i like watching it but it is one of those things where i feel like if i had found this on my own and said like oh that's like a really charming like good movie and i really i really like this this lead actress you know, I, I'd probably, I'd probably grade it higher, but there's just something about like, it's almost like my internalized reflex against hyperbole that I'm, I'm watching it and I'm just like, okay, this isn't, you know, curing my fibromyalgia. So like this, I don't understand why everyone's having such like a giant, you know, love fest over this. I mean, like what's weird is having said that, I don't know that I'm going to be able to like bring up anything that I didn't like, but it just, it feels a lot more minor key and 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 low impact than I feel like a lot of other people have made it sound. So I'm glad that we have people who've loved it and Robin Barr, who actually fits the demographic of the main character, because I, of course, was watching it through my eyes and kind of putting my own uh, personal experience on top of her or on top of her lovers. And it was interesting and definitely like kind of fun to do that. And again, I, I had a good time watching this, but it did strike me as weird that I had heard such superlative things about it when to my mind, it's, it's a minor, but still very much enjoyable, you know, two hours of, of uh, basic romantic dramedy slice of life kind of stuff. So yeah, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to talking about it, but I honestly have no Ro- idea. I don't, Robin? I don't know what the next statement though is. Cause it's just like, that, that's all right. I'll take it over. Uh, Robin. So yes. this, like this woman is literally struggling with the entire idea that you keep wanting to talk about on this podcast <laughs> and that's having kids. And it's like, I'm, I'm just, I'm really struck that you didn't, you didn't fall for this. More. I don't find that to be her primary struggle though. Like her, her struggle seems yeah. to be a general ambivalence about everything in her life. 
That that's true, but also this film more than any other film directly like lines up with kind of Robin asking everyone around her, like, do you want to have kids and tell me why you wanted to have kids well, or why like you have kids? That, I feel like to that end, come on, come on was a little more on the nose because it was a person dealing with a child <laughs> and kind of looking at his own failed relationships and like speaking with a person about raising a child in this movie they don't seem to ever jump into the the broader logistical concerns of like having a child. It's a very existential question of like, do I want to have children? Not like, okay, let's say I do. What do I then do? Like, how do I? How do I want? To I raise mean, I think them? that. Yes, please I think tell the, us. I think the early scene to me, the early scene when they go visit their their friends who have children. To me, that's that's when the logistics come into play. Of like, who do you become? Mm-hmm when when you have children and you know this woman the friend you know she's overstressed she can have fun like you know this this accident now sort of like ruined the entire weekend and you know we see these the younger couple uh of uh julie and axel sort of in the room listening to the arguments of of this other friend so to me that's that's where it comes into like who do you become and what are the what are the what really does it look like when you choose to have children and, you know, the, the sort of the, the changes to the relationship that come with that. So to me, that's like a very, I, I took it as a very sort of like explicit sort of like example of like what, you know, the fear could be of, of, of losing a part of yourself when, when you're, you know, when your primary sort of like, you know, responsibility is taking care of someone else and sort of like losing yourself into that. And, and the fear that that comes with. So, um, so to me, it was it wasn't hypothetical to me. It was very sort of like concrete. And and you know, following up on that, it's also, you know, not to die. Look, we we end up interrogating each other quite a bit on this podcast. So, Robin, I don't I don't feel like you know I'm. Am, am I going to put you on blast? Maybe we can we can uh, bleep this out or, or cut this out, but. I mean, is it is it fair to say that you're you're kind of have wonderlust about your career? Yeah, I mean, I think that's certainly fair. I, have I have we have we talked about that on the podcast though? I know we've talked about it off of the podcast. I don't know if we've talked about it on the. Podcast. I'm not sure. I mean, it's it's. I don't I don't know how much we've talked about it. Um, I think I think it's fair to say that as somebody who straddles who has two careers and sort of is like has a foot in each of them. Uh, there's always going to be a, a part wondering a part of me wondering which, which grass is going to be greener at the end of the day. So that's not unusual. And I think maybe that's why I push back against this film a little bit. You know, you're, you're just saying, Bill, like, Oh, you know, you're <laughs> like, you're interrogating people about having children or whatever. I think it's also because a lot of the movies that we've watched recently have been very much about this, uh, essential question about what it means to have children. So it's not, un- I don't think it's weird, but you know, we're talking about these things, uh, especially since Brian has a kid, but <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, he does. Did, yes, did she watch this? She did not. No, she was um, <laughs> asleep. I was going to say she was at her mother's, but she was at her mother's when I watched deep water. She was asleep when I watched this. <laughs> Already uh, getting started on I, homework. Yeah, I don't know what's uh, what's more risque, deep water or this. But uh, right, we'll now save I'm that thinking for, about it. I, I, good pod. I feel like I'd rather she watch deep water. <laughs> what? 
Wow. Okay. I don't know. Now, okay. Deep water. We'll, we'll talk well, about. We'll talk about. Yeah. Have a whole yeah. episode on deep yeah. water, right? Don't need to talk about it. Right. Yeah. I was. Yeah. Yeah. need to go deep on this. What this movie kind of makes very explicit. I don't know. I watched. I watched Deep Water last night, and I regret it. You know, horribly. <laughs> oh no, Deep Water. Uh, spoilers for my thoughts on Deep Water. I enjoyed the shit out of it. I don't know. I need. I feel like some on shit. Yeah, someone wow. needs to find Anna the Arm as a proper role when she's not just like this weird entity that has nothing going on for her except like meeting this man. It was just very weird to me. But that's another movie. I need her <laughs> yeah. to be spun off of her James Bond character. Wait, uh, Robin, have you watched Deep Water yet? No, not yet. I'm well, just being so a your little. Shit <laughs> I am being I a brat. The record. You can't. I am. I object, Your Honor. Emma argumentative, <laughs> hearsay, argumentative, speculative, hearsay. <laughs> we'll just... get back to me anyway. So <laughs> I, I just don't think it's like weird that we're talking about any of this stuff. I think this is a question. This is a big question for our generation right now. Is as people oh, yeah. the idea of like. Can anybody afford to have kids in this mm-hmm, mm-hmm. climate? Can anybody deal with climate change? I mean, these are like big things that we are reading about. And it's not surprising to me that art is reflecting this uh, aspect of our generation. But I think maybe because I am kind of in a transitional phase in the same way that Yulia is, I'm just like less, I'm less enamored with her story. It just seemed very like, okay, here's. <clears throat> Here's an educated white woman living in the city, figuring her shit out. Like I've seen this in a billion other TV shows. Why did somebody make a movie about this? Maybe that's a very reductive response to the film. I, I like, I love seeing things that I can relate to on the screen. And for some reason, this just felt like, okay, n- what now? Like, what's the hook of this movie? I, I still couldn't even tell you honestly other than that it's just like about a millennial sort of drifting through life i I think i think the cat buttholes have have something to say about that maybe i don't know yeah i think the form to me because i feel like yeah this is a story you know like a movie that did not work for me at all that i really disliked was the lost daughter you know and i think that there's oh hey yes Yes. you're you're in good company a movie that i loved (laughs) I, I just could crazy. not. That's the movie that I still don't understand, you know, why people love it so much. But, well, you know, Carlos, in that, you see, she took the doll. Right. Of course she did. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's fucking psychotic and interesting. And like, but, but I think in both cases, it's not to me. What's interesting about, you know, this being in Norway and we like, like, I don't think money was ever the issue. Like, I don't think Julie in this movie is thinking about I don't I can't afford to have children because clearly. Axel is like a renowned cartoonist and like, you know, there's money there. Like, I don't think it's more about when you take away the sort of like, you know, the the practical elements of like, can we afford this? Because clearly they can. It's like, do we want to? And what does that mean? You know, um, so I think to me also that and the form of the film, like this story, yes, it's sort of familiar, but just the, the way that it's done in terms of like the flourishes of like, you know, music and sort of this magical realism that's in it and the, the chapters that make it feel like, you know, uh, like a novel at times. Like for me, my favorite scene in the movie is when she goes to this party and meets uh, the uh, the other guy, I forget his name. Ivan. And Ivan. And they, you know, they're like, oh, we're not cheating on our partners. And like the things that they do 
even though they're not sexual, they're more intimate than if they were actually having sex with each other. And to me, that's such a, the way that that's written, it feels very, the texture of that, the nuance of sort of like this in intimate interactions was very fascinating and, and lovely to me in a way that I haven't seen in a lot of other films. So I think that there's, yes, there's, it's a familiar story, but I do think that there are elements to the way it's done that make it unique and special to me, at least. And I agree yeah, I, with that, I, actually. I, like, I think that the direction and the visual style is a lot more appealing than the screenplay, which is why I found it really interesting that the screenplay was nominated um, over any other element. Like, even the performances are better than the writing, in my opinion. But I, I agree with you, Carlos. That sequence, and then basically the last third of the movie, which spoilers, like, big things happen that sort of make it come together a little more. Like, I ultimately, I, I think the movie, I, I appreciate the movie for what it is, but I still like something's really missing for me. And I also just found it like a little meandering or plodding. Like I just kept thinking like, Oh my God, is this movie four hours long or is it just me? It's not the Batman. So, you know, but you know, I think I was like, Oh, this movie is like killing me. I, I was, I was pulled along the whole time as for, you know, I, I keep thinking about your, your question of like, you know, what is this movie doing that like a TV show wouldn't, or that, and and to me there is something nice about kind of the 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 shagginess of it like the the lack of like an explicit hook like oh why did she take the doll um <laughs> like i like if that's fact- your fucking takeaway from that movie then i you don't know how to like you literally told me that was the point of the movie like that oh that was but not why no did i did not let's go to the tape <laughs> Doll um, is an interesting thread, but that no, is not like is the crux shit. of the movie. That whole movie was terrible. Um, Both of these films apparently star uh, Dakota Johnson, though. So I thought that was interesting. <laughs> I did comment to my husband that this woman looked extraordinarily like Dakota Johnson. This woman yeah. looked extraordinarily Erica. like seven different actresses at any given time. And she was, <laughs> sure. I, I don't know. I don't know how best to put this. Uh, she's incredibly attractive. Well, I don't con- know. She congrats just, to you. <laughs> Thank okay, you. who's hotter, Ivan or Axel? So, I feel like a a girl goes for Ivan and a woman goes for Axel. You know, I think Ivan is incredibly boring as a human being. <laughs> He's kind of like that's kind of, but like I feel like into that boringness you can project depth. You know, and uh, I, that's why I kind of said like it makes. Sense. I don't know. I, I think she realizes how boring he is in that in that those last moments when she actually it's a spoiler, but she eventually doesn't end up with him because she realizes how, you know, how basic he is and what he wants. He clearly did want the life with the you know also with the children and the family, something that she did yeah. not want. Um, so I feel like at the end when she meets again with Axel, it feels almost like you know. I don't know. Yeah, and we're basically in spoilers uh, now, so let's just let's. Yeah, just it's hard to talk about the, the movie without but spoilers. Like, I I really liked Axel a lot. I I found a lot to the douche unsurprising. <laughs> I found a lot to like in Axel. I I enjoyed him. I think that her like crashed wedding, drunken flirtation with Ivan was like fine and cute, but like that it obviously didn't lead to a super fulfilling relationship. 
Um, I think I think her issue though is not necessarily the relationship situation. I think it's it's a double thing where and that's what it kind of broke apart when it was with Ivan, but with Axel, she could kind of see that like he had a really fulfilling career. And I'm sure as a woman that was like career hopping for most of her you know uh, adult life that was probably really frustrating to sit and watch and then see and she has that one brief success with like the the writing piece that she gets published i guess um but other than that like it seems like she's really struggling to find who she wants to be in terms of a career because she doesn't want to just be a housewife, right? She doesn't want to just be, you know, a hangers-on to Axel, even even if he was completely fine with that, right? Um, I feel like she is kind of in this funk, and because of that, she's almost punishing herself and then ultimately punishing Axel by just being like, you know what, I got to get out of this so I can kind of maybe go chase this this flame, maybe go chase this other thing, see where that leads me, right? Um, I think she's got a lot of discovery left in her, in her life, and, and it's sad because Axel like points it out over and over. He's like, because I'm much older, and you know, I think there's what, maybe... F- 15 years between them maybe 10 no like maybe yeah maybe 12 at the most yeah uh, I, so apparently she's in her 30s which i don't think i knew and apparently she turns like 30 she, she, she turns 30 and so she, by the end of the movie she's like maybe 33 or 32 okay. or something yeah interesting yeah. yeah so i would say like there's like 12 years because i think they say that he's like 44 Mm-hmm. And so I think at a certain point, like he mentions like, you know, this is he says it at the end that this is the best relationship he's ever or the most impactful. He, he says he's the most important relationship he's ever yeah. been in. But he also mentions like, you know, I've had other lovers. I've had other relationships and they're not as good as what we have right now. And that's when she's like trying to break up with them now. Now, granted, like that doesn't mean that that's going to be the best relationship that she's going to have. Right. So it's unfair for him to be like, don't you see this perspective? And she's like, I'm fucking I'm not even 30 yet. Like, what do you mean? You know, like I got a lot of life to live. But he also kind of says that as well. Like, I think that that's that's the problem that the, the whole idea that you're saying about how she has a lot of like, you know, discovery to make. And I think that's true that, that definitely she has, but she's at a time in which society and life tells us that all the discovery should have been finished. So I think that yep. is, is where the real conflict uh, arises, right? That she still has a lot of discovery to do at a time when, you know, everyone expects you to have your shit figure out and have children. And, and then have know. kids. Yeah. yeah. The and kids, so- the kids is, is that I think that permanent thing where it's like, look, like, if I have a kid, then all of a sudden my whole trajectory is transformed, right? Like that's going to be my focus and my kind of, you know, thing for the next four or five years, right? Until they become a little bit independent. And it's just like, whoa, you know? I but mean, yeah, go, go ahead. That- oh. oh, go ahead. I was going to say go ahead, Carlos, because I kind of jumped in there. 
No, no, no. I was just gonna. We just wanted to talk about that. The idea that she has discovery left to do, and and then yeah, the perspective that he brings. Um, in that last scene, that really just hit me hard when he talks about you know the collections and the things that don't matter, but that matter when you're young, and how he, even though he's like you know, because he's dying, you know, he's getting all reflective and sort of like contemplating his life, even though he's you know not old. He's like in his early mid forties. Um, he's already thinking as about the past and what really matters. And that to me was sort of like a very powerful moment in the film. The, this idea of like, you know, the the things that you value in your youth and how they sort of become obsolete when all these other things come into play in your life and sort of remembering that part of yourself when when all these other things were in, were in there. I think the other thing that he says that's really beautiful is his nostalgia for things that culture kind of resonated around, whether it's books, right. music, uh, you know, physical uh, media, stuff like that, and how the culture now has kind of changed into, and they kind of, you know, the, the film throughout kind of pokes at this idea that people are on their phone too much, you know, uh, throughout the film, it's kind of a little little mini kind of uh thread that's kind of uh uh threaded through there weaved through there yeah i mean it's one um, of the first things that the movie brings up is her like constantly having the distractions of new notifications and then it shows her like getting an old ass phone yeah <laughs> it just shows her getting like a cricket <laughs> But yeah, I, th- I thought that was interesting as well. I, I really enjoyed that little that little piece that he was talking about how people would come together around things instead of and, you know, it, it, like I don't want to be that person that's like, oh, society's broken because like there are times when I get together with some of my friends and we have an absolute blast and we put our phones away and we have, you know, like one on one connections and stuff like that so i mean it's it's just that it takes effort i think whereas that was the thing that had to happen back in the day whereas now i can be on my phone and make connections and it's not as hard and so there's just there's something missing there yeah but also these two people are part of a generation that you know like i guess all of us in this podcast remember what it used to be without the internet, but now we're very sort of like internet savvy or like, you know, involved online. So straddling that line of like, you know, remembering how it used to be and comparing it to how it is now, as opposed to like, you know, someone from Gen Z who, for whom the world has always looked like this and has no memory of, of what it used to be like, you know, so I think that's also interesting between these characters that, they both come from that generation. Like she knows what it is to buy a, a CD or a DVD or, or, or you know, have mm-hmm. physical concert tickets or, is, you know, things like that. Like it's, he's, he's not talking to her about something for him, but almost like a, a memory that she eventually might be able to feel the same way, you know, in a few years. What frustrated me a little bit about this self-discovery that she goes on is that all of the careers that she imagines herself in are like extremely privileged uh bourgeois you know nothing grounded in any real way i mean yes maybe she wants to be a surgeon but even that is like a little bit fantastical for most people um and the fact that she even makes it into like surgery rotations as medical student shows that she's extremely competent 
and and among a very rarefied set, and yet she squanders that. Then she thinks she's going to become a psychologist, and then that is also doesn't work for her. And then she decides she's going to be, I forget, there maybe was something before becoming a photographer. Um, no, I think it. I think it went straight to photography. It's just like mm-hmm. who decides? To, I mean, listen, you're a photographer. I love photography. Did who either are you talking to you, Brian? Oh, like, sure, to- yeah, I'm. 100%. You ever think that you're going to be like a professional photographer? I have. And then you decide that you're going to be a, an essay writer because you published one thing in your whole life, like. It just seemed well. I don't know. A little at, bit outside my, of reality. Look at my ass. I went to school for journalism at a time when every newspaper in this country was either contracting or shuttering entirely. There was a moment yeah. where it seemed like I might be able to become a documentary camera operator, and then I left and I just took a bunch of weird, shitty call center jobs. I started doing the whole movie critic thing. Thought about trying to make a run at that being my full time thing, and then decided it was super easy. To just uh, jump into some sort of corporate, you know, nine to five card punching thing and then sprinkling all my fun hobbies around it. You know, I, I have actively talked to, to people in my life about how I took like three days to really work out what kind of a life I would have to have in order to be a professional photographer and then decided not to do it because the the amount of hustle and how much I love photography and how much I don't want to get paid for it because I did like two paid gigs and it was stressful as fuck. Like I, j- I just, yeah, I made, I made the conscious decision. I'm never going to attempt to make money from photography. And in fact, I shot an acapella concert at the, co- at the college university of Maryland. What up? Um, and these two acapella groups were like, Hey, we're, we need a photographer. We need like, you know, someone who, is realistically affordable. And I said, I will do it for free because I will be able to function better if you're not paying me. And they said, okay, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard, but please. (laughs) And I did it and they loved it. And they're like, you're positive. You don't want money. And I was like, I don't want any money. Please don't give me any money. Um, like, so yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's like, I wanted to, well, I was going to ask, uh, Robin, like, so would you have preferred if she was like, I don't know, I I want to be a, a a waitress and then like it's decide, not decide she, to be she, like a plumber or like like what what? It's not that, but the I mean, if we're in spoiler section, like are, she ends up being this, you know, high powered photographer working on professional shoots, and I just kind of high powered. I mean, I think you're supposed to infer that she's working. Like if she's a still photographer in a movie set, like that's, you know, I'm sure that's a pretty well-paid gig, even if it's like sure it is, contracted or whatever. But it is like say- contracted, right? Like that's the thing is I think. But that- it's all contracted. Like that's the life that she's going to live. Right. But, but at I, least she's not, you know, I, she's not shooting this, a wedding. I think this has to do with the culture and with Norway. I think this might be very country specific. And I just, just bring it up because 
uh, in talking to Joachim and hearing him talk about the film, he's, he's always talked about how in Norway, being a country where education is accessible for everyone, where the standard of living is so great, and there are not real sort of like socioeconomic barriers for most people, the expectation for people to succeed and to be something very important is something that weighs very heavy on young people in Norway, because when you don't have an excuse to not some, to be something, you know, really great, because all the opportunities that are there for you, then the pressure of sort of becoming something great is really heavy on people because like i don't have any excuses as to like you know um you know college uh um loans or debt and things of the, of the sort you know when when education is available for everyone so i do think that that may play into the fact that it was so easy for her to sort of jump careers and be sort of like lose when it comes to like making those jumps and you know uh, and I don't know. I just read it as like the fact that she knew these these people who were writers that maybe help her get connections and become this photographer. Like it didn't seem unrealistic or crazy to me. And I think it also responded to this idea of like how Norwegian society works in terms of schooling and expectations of career for people that have all the opportunities. to, To my mind, like she she's like a corporate photographer like it's like like me being like I didn't become like the the editor in chief of The New York Times, but I am like the chief technical editor at this corporate job that I have. So like, I wanted her to be in some job that was like, she worked in a fucking bookstore. She did for most of the movie. Right. That's true. That's true. But it's, I don't know. Like, Like, it just didn't feel realistic to me that she ended up as a photographer. I think that it's not that I want her to fail. I just, it just didn't seem like it seemed like too content and ending. Well, I, I think that I think that the if you I don't know. It, so I, I almost said I can't believe I have to defend this movie as though I didn't like it. <laughs> I did. And I one of the reasons I did like it was because of that ending, because we don't see her in a gallery, you know, staring up at a photograph that has like a four thousand dollar price tag next to it. We see her standing alone in the corner of what I have to assume is not a very high profile film shoot. And they're like, okay, we got the scene. All right. Stills like get on in there. And so she like goes in and like talks to them and takes the pictures. Workman, like again, packs up alone. No one walking up to her being like, Oh my God, you're Julia, whatever your last name is. You know, (laughs) can I have your autograph? No, she quietly does her job goes to her small apartment, you know, gets all the photos off and starts like selecting through them. And, but that's it is that after a whole movie of her being like, I'm going to be a surgeon. I'm going to be a psychiatrist. I'm going to do this other thing. I'm going to take mushrooms. I don't know if I want to have a child. Maybe I do want to have a child. Oh, I had a miscarriage. It's not happening. And now I have to rethink everything. She, even at some point when talking to Ivind, says like mm-hmm. i've never followed through on anything i mm-hmm. don't know what's going on this feels like a thing that maybe i should do and then at the end of the movie we see that the thing that she follows through on is she is a working photographer she's not famous she's not like you know the the most extreme you know uh, wedding photographer going out to like you know barns and sh- shooting (laughs) high class people she is the person who is not even referred to by name on the film set because they're just like where's the still photographer it's time for stills 
And um, to me, that's that's like a good kind of working class photographer thing. I bet that's a contract gig. I bet she has a bunch of other shitty contract gigs. I almost got into contract gigs for photography and for videography. You know, I would have been corporate, like not, not even like, not even like working for a corporation, but like taking photos to benefit the corporate level. So like when someone opens the corporate guidelines on sexual harassment, I'd be the person (laughs) taking the photograph of the woman smiling next to a filing cabinet, you know, like that level of like, I can't believe someone actually gets paid to produce this, you know? And so to my mind, like, yeah, it's, it's fine that like she decided to pursue the career and it's the least, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The least, uh, high paying one. Right. I wanted to say, you know, like, if you look at his other films in this trilogy, all of them are about young people sort of at a crossroads, right? The, the previous one uh, over a decade ago, Oslo, August 31st, is, you know, with the same actor, Anders, you know, playing this 30-something who just got out of prison and who wants to commit suicide because he feels that there's no point to his life anymore. And, you know, it's a movie, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but it's a movie about, in a whole day, he just walks around Oslo and meets different people and sort of, like, ponders whether to kill himself or not, you know? And then the first one, uh, Reprise, is about these two young writers who, you know, uh, receive a moderate amount of success and realize that the sort of, you know, the success in in in, in writing or in sort of, like, being recognized is not fulfillment enough for, you know, for their lives and sort of like the struggle of like, you know, what is next? So I do think that in, in, in looking at the film as part of this, you know, sort of, you know, work from this director, it's interesting to me that this is the most uh, happy or sort of like joyful or, you know, less tragic than, than the other two in comparison to, you know, uh, also and sort of the way that he looks about at people in their early thirties or late twenties, sort of trying to figure themselves out. So I don't know, just maybe, maybe it was just already on the wavelength of, of the things that he does with these characters. Yeah. This movie is very, is very kind to its main character. Um, and to all of its characters, really. I mean, like this concept of the worst person in the world is kind of how all of these people tend to think about themselves. And right. it like the, the best part is like when, when Axel says like, you know, one of my biggest regrets is not being able to get you to see how amazing you are. And like talking about how, you know, he like understanding her ambivalence towards motherhood, but wanting her to know that if she chose it, she would be good at it because it seemed like her main concern was that she was going to suck at it, <laughs> which is fair. I mean, that's a huge one. You know, even I, yeah. I've wanted children since I was like 14 years old. But there's that concept in the back of your head. It's like, okay, but like, what if I'm bad at it? Like, what well, if yeah, there's I'm that truly there's terrible. That, there's that little montage uh, on her 30th birthday when is you know I don't know if you guys remember when she's like oh, and my grand or her grandmother the narrator goes like her yeah. grandmother oh, yeah. had children yeah, at I this like age that. I like and her great grandmother had already done you know all these things by the time she was 30 she had divorce and all these things so right she had like three that, children and died at 30 and it was like oh, right, right 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 right. <laughs> sort of how the expectations have, you know, changed over time and what, you know, what we were supposed to have been doing at 30, you know, a few decades ago. Yeah, because back in the 1700s, life expectancy for a woman at that time was 33 years. uh, That was a little bit of a, I don't know. Like, that's kind of a myth, but. 
All right. Well, I you're gonna say that, but I need you to show me some hard facts that it's not true. It's it's an average. It doesn't mean that everybody is going to die at thirty. Well, yes, it's not Logan's well, run, that? Robin. But still. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay. My favorite part in the movie, though. Um, speaking of like you know young people and and the worst person in the world and this concept of like you're much harsher on yourself than the people in your life are going to be. Was when we learned about uh, Ivan's first uh, girlfriend. Oh, I like that. Sequence. Oh, right, oh right, right. He, What was it? The whole of Western guilt was sitting on the couch next yeah, to him. Oh, Jesus. And yeah. she found out about like her 3.6%. And like suddenly that became her entire self. And it's like, you know, there was always more to like learn. There was always more to do. Like, were you buying the right thing? Are you reading the label close enough? It's like she touches a fucking reindeer and decides she's like Sami. Yeah, because she like did, she did like a a, a twenty three and Me thing and found out that she does have like three percent, which is just like oh god. <laughs> yeah, this idea of like finding purpose, right? Of like she wants to be meaningful and have a connection to something greater than herself, and you know clings to this supposedly sort of like you know indigenous heritage that you know is very faint, but it's enough for her to sort of like feel like she's the protector of the earth or whatnot. So I did, I did enjoy that even a character like that, that in most movies would just be referenced as, you know, a throwaway character of the girlfriend without any depth, even that, you know, that character gets sort of like a lot of like background history and under motivations of why they are the way they are. Yeah. I mean, I still well, find yeah. a very one note. I don't, I don't know if she had it's a lot a of note, depth though. <laughs> It was an interesting note. I mean, but it's not like I had much empathy for her. She she came across as a clown. Yeah, but and that's fine. I didn't need her to have. I didn't need her to have uh, multi dimensions. She's the ex. Like, but but there could have been nothing, right? It could have been just like it could have been like that passage could have not existed, and this character would still just be nothing. So I'm just saying that it's more than who he yeah, likes her for you know yeah it's, it's more right. than most movies would have done for a character that's you know not among the the protagonists or the lead ones and it's also a very specific millennial archetype which is interesting to see that it exists even even in norway you know is this person who like oh i bet her instagram story is just insufferable it's just nothing but <laughs> well isn't that what's implied it's like just that nothing she's but like all her yoga shots people's tweets yeah yeah 100 percent Oh my God! Just what a nightmare. Well, I mean, th- that's that's also the stuff that it, it's funny because at that point she's his ex, right? And that's one of those things that's also a trope, but also very true. Like I have, uh, you know, um, where the ex is suddenly like doing these weird poses and like flexing in front of the camera, and you're just like, "What is going on?" Like, wow! I have never had that experience. You don't oh, flex in front of a it's, camera? It's, uh, it's definitely a thing, Robin, where people mm-hmm. become thirst traps once they are uh, quote-unquote Men, too? Oh, yeah. Men and women. They I think I think it's implying the movie, right? Because there's a moment in which Julia sees her Instagram and it's like, It's oh. not implied. It's like text. Well, <laughs> she, she and right, him right. have a full-on conversation about, like, you're still following her. And he's like, yeah. Like, you know, she says some stuff. She's like, yeah, she shows her ass a lot. And he's like, well, like, that's yoga. yoga. She's like, it's not yoga. She's thrusting her hips out. And she goes to zoom in, but accidentally likes it, which is funny. Yep. I found that's that good. to be hilarious. That's why you got to screenshot it be... and then zoom in. 
Yes, agreed. Number one. Number two, do you <laughs> think this movie is going to be like less relevant in like three years? Like you're going to look back and be like, oh, that was a time and a place. No. Not going to be like very know. timeless. No. No. I don't think so. I mean, it's. I don't need, like. I don't think. I don't think it that that like, with Twitter, like and like. There's a ton. Like Chef is all about like the use of Twitter to spread the word about the food truck. And I'm like, great sandwich, Bill. Well, yes, but I mean, you know, the use of technology is very big in that in that yeah. sense. Well, and so Robin, like, is that the kid is the one that's also the kid is doing like a vine, which is kind of like what. What's that? Huh? A vine? I miss that. You, you know, know how many but, TikTok yeah. uh, accounts exist just to repost vines and be like, vines were great. <laughs> <laughs> but that's nostalgia. That's not the same thing as Isn't like it weird that we're nostalgic for vine. Um, but so is that <laughs> wait, Robin? Is what Bill's talking about what you were referring to? Like, do you feel like it's the use of technology that's going to date it, or? I think it's the use of technology and also like the social current that. But how surrounds do you make, the use of technology. How do you, how can you, that, this is the thing. I feel like we had like, I don't know, 150 years where like any story you told was going to be basically the same as the stories that came before, you know, suddenly like, oh, you can have a phone call, but you're still having a conversation, you know? But like, how do you tell a story in the present day that doesn't involve all of our technology and I think that's just a general question this is like an existential question about the way that we present art now like I watched the Mitchells and versus the machines and I'm like this movie is going to be irrelevant in like two years it's going to be seen as a as a a dinosaur right because of the way that which because it and I'm (laughs) only half joking but because it takes place I agree with you and because it's you know it, it gets away from all that like if you told me that Lucas somehow took place in 1995, I'd be like, okay, yeah, sure, why not? You could almost get away with telling me that it takes place in 2005 because I, like, he's or it a could monster. have been 1955. It right, really doesn't that's the matter. Thing. Like, I, as long as it happened after the Vespa was made, it, I believe that Luca could take place then because this is a small seaside village filled with simple people who don't need an iPhone. Well, and he is a Lord, What about Turning Red? I really, I Turning really Red don't... is set in 2000. Too, right, so. and so it hangs on nostalgia a little bit. So it's I don't it's not I, I never I never really felt the presence of technology very heavy on the worst person in the world. I honestly can beyond that scene with the ex on Instagram. I can really I don't really think of this movie as one movie that will be dated by technology. Maybe all the things, but so I don't see technology and, as relevant as much right. as this movie. And and but what's weird is that people bring up technology a lot. Like there's a point when the older people, like the forty year olds, are talking to her at that lake house, and they're like, "Oh, with all the screens and the, you know, we have to keep our kids away from screens because." But like we don't see a lot of people doing with screens because, and this is kind of another problem that comes up in movies like this is it is so uncompelling to watch someone just doom scroll Twitter. Or TikTok that you cannot have that as a scene in your movie, so you have to constantly have people doing things that seem like they are anachronistic. Just yeah, I don't know. I guess I to have something compelling happen. I'm just not. I'm just not. I'm personally not really bothered by those things. You know, like I, I recently rewatched Mean Girls, and there's a whole scene that happens with them talking on the phone and like having multiple people on the same line on a on a landline, and that's really dated. But like, I wasn't thinking about technology. Like to me, it's like if the story is entertaining beyond that, or or if the technology is used for 
to advance the story in an interesting way. Like I just, I don't know, maybe that's not really my concern when I watch movies, the, the dating of technology, even if it's. I think it depends on how the tech is used. Like, like right, right, right. say that tech is a theme or a motif of Mean Girls. It's just like a feature or whatever for the storytelling purposes. Well, but I also Whereas don't I think do see technology. I, I definitely see it as a, a very least the way that we function in a social media world is definitely a motif in this film. It's brought I, up I, from the first seconds of the movie. Right, but the, I, the I disagree. I don't, I don't think that's really a part of this. To me, I really never thought of it as being sort of like relevant to everything else. Well, what's but. interesting is that I think that you're kind of both right, and this is actually slightly a weakness of the movie because it it opens saying, "Oh my God, there's so many like notifications and like so many things that are begging for your attention." It shows her her phone going bing, 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 and then it shows her getting like a dumb phone, right? Um, that's not me slamming her phone. I'm saying it's not, not a smartphone. Um, and, and they do bring it up, but then they never engage with it. Like that scene of her on, on Instagram is kind of it. And kind of what I was saying is that like it, it, it necessarily has to be because the other side of the coin is, you know, what, what probably would have actually happened is not that she wanders into some wedding and like meets this handsome stranger and they have like this intense conversation. What probably would have happened is that she would like respond to a tweet or comment on someone's Instagram post and then they'd slide into each other's DMs. And instead, of having, and instead of having like some night together, what they'd really have is like four months of slowly evolving into an emotional affair, you know, like and but I, I could easily see that. Right, but, but it's not, not visually what, compelling. It's <laughs> not. It's not. And it's not as like interesting and romantic with a capital R or whatever. And so that's not what the movie does. But if the movie really did want to have kind of the courage of its convictions in that opening scene and in the couple of other scenes where they talk about it, that's what they would have to do. But it's like how we say like you can't make Seinfeld anymore because almost all of the problems would be solved if even one character had a cell phone. And it's like yeah. all the horror movies that are like, the first thing we got to do is have someone accidentally drive a nail through someone's cell phone. Like there's just things that we have to do that we still haven't adapted to. And it's technology moves so fast that you then get like fucked over trying to even do it. Because if you do come up with something the next season, it's going to make it look really old. Like I, I have been watching <laughs> Kevin help me. I have been watching how I met your father. <laughs> Um, what the Jesus fuck? So I You're still watching it. that. I so it's become morbidly curious. And what's funny, actually, Bill, is I'm not watching it anymore because the first season was only ten episodes, and I've already seen them all. Um, and it's not good, and I won't. So be you're watching rewatching? The season. No, not presently. But so what I was going to say is, How I Met Your Mother had technology, yes, but it was on that precipice it was on that like cresting point i think it started in like 2006 or something and so it was able to kind of like slowly work with technology you know they would text each other they'd talk on the cell phones but like they weren't as fully invested in social media and those characters were also old enough that they didn't have to even deal with social media that much until like the later seasons whereas how i met your father these are fucking fully integrated plugged in millennials and the show struggles mightily to deal with that. And Robin, in How I Met Your Father, Hilary Duff's character does want to be a gallerist photographer type person. And that is punch her in insane. the face. 
That is Killer. Christ forsaken, like not gonna work. It was already weird enough that Ted Mosby wanted to be an architect, but at least you could be like, no, no, yeah, architects exist. I have employed one before, <laughs> and I know we that you need can make them. money. Yeah, right. As long as people are knocking down buildings and putting up other buildings, we're going to need architects. No one needs a photographer. Like, that's just not how it works. And she doesn't want to be, like, the world's greatest wedding photographer. She wants to put a photograph of hers up in a gallery. Like, that's not a good thing. I just, like, I can't. I can't be compelled by someone who wants to be I'm, a photographer. I'm, I'm fascinated by this hatred, you know, towards <laughs> photographers that have photos at galleries. That just, it's just, it's, I, I love it. If I had a, phot- a photograph in a gallery, I'd be p- pleased as punch. I'd be proud as a, a jackrabbit. Is that a statement? I don't know. So, the, it's, so the, it's, the, the, the issue is the issue is that someone would aim to become that. And it I just, just doesn't because... seem like it is no, no, no. a thing you can aim for. No, it almost well, seems like I, it has to happen on accident. <laughs> Right, right. Because I feel like there's a lot of people that deliberately set out to be a film critic. So I like this is what they always wanted to be. And me, myself, I was never that person. So I can see that sort of like, you know, idea of like someone really wanting to be something unrealistic, like becoming a film critic at, you know, Mm -hmm. at a famous newspaper. Um, So I'm assuming that's sort of like the, you know, the equivalent of, of the example that you guys are using, you know, trying to be something that doesn't seem like feasible. Yeah, it's just it's it's just one of those things where it feels like a um, and one of the reasons I liked this movie is that we don't see her ending up in a gallery. What we <laughs> see her is her taking her passion and what's something that she is good at right and turning it into an actual career, which is what most people end up having to do and perhaps mm-hmm. at some point she will be able to graduate to that, but that can't be your end game, you know, that, that can't be like, I will only accept this. You have to, you have to work within that sphere to figure it out. Like, and it, I think, I think, go on. No, I I was going to get into semantics, but I think, I think having that as your end game is fine. As long as you understand that there are going to be a lot of pathways to get there and maybe some stops along the way. But like, I, I, I don't have any issue with someone being like, no, I want to fucking have photos in a gallery. Cool, man. Yeah. What are you doing in the meantime? I think I I should have said end game. I should have said soul focus. Okay. Like you, sure. you should be willing to put in the work. You know, it's like I don't want you. You shouldn't start a band and say we're only ever playing Wembley. You know, you should be willing to work <laughs> some clubs first. <laughs> anyway, not sure why I decided to say Wembley and not literally any place in America. <laughs> well, I mean, we're in Norway. So, I've been listening you know. to a lot of Muse lately, so maybe that. Hey, hell yeah. Go Rocket. Yeah. Um, they definitely um, played at Wembley. <laughs> oh, 100%. I think I have like a, a DVD of a live show they did there. Anyway, um, uh-huh. I don't know. I don't know. I, like, well, I, I, I think, lost uh, the thread of what we're talking about. I can't well, even let remember me, let me grab it. Let me grab it. favor or not. Um, so, Robin, I do think you've maybe fallen into your own trap of of the thing that you brought to my attention which is this movie is a bitch eating crackers in the corner <laughs> and like like you no, I it, actually it's like slowed it. down like eventually 
<laughs> it does like not sound like words that. words were, I did not like this movie. No, I said I didn't love this movie. Oh, okay. That's true. That's true. I didn't love this That's movie. True. But when um, Axel starts dying, I was like, okay, at least something's happening. Wow. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Fucking dark. I okay. Wh- what do we think about his uh, interview on the radio? Because first of all, I, was that a oh was that boy. like a, a a news program that was just a videotape recording of a podcast? I mean, they did it for Howard Stern, so I kind of saw yeah. it like okay. that. Okay, I never like I've never I've never watched a video of a podcast. I know that apparently YouTube is like massive for that shit, and that uh, like they Joe they Rogan's do that. Thing, like, yeah, they do that on Joe Rogan all the time. Yeah, but it's not. Yeah, there's some. I've got they, like, they're, they're, I'm trying well, to cook I mean, right now, somewhere. like I can't watch a podcast right now, though, it's it's difficult because we're just getting out of the pandemic kind of thing. Right. And so like most most podcasts, just like us, not that we're necessarily local to each other, but just like us are doing this over Zoom. And so, you know, that's what it's been like for the past like three years. So it's hard to kind of use that as a frame of reference. But I know some podcasts that that post their zoom video oh actually right? i know there i've Uh-oh. i have seen on carlos dropped oh no Ooh. i have um maybe he got tired of listening to us i have <laughs> heard on i have watched on tiktok videos of people doing podcasts and it always seems insane god damn it brian it, it's like the craziest <laughs> I, just just say what you just said again out loud but I just know, a little bit I slower but see, i have thing. watched videos of people on tiktok Doing from Zoom. Yeah. yeah. No, Jesus it's not Christ. Zoom. It's usually like they're sitting in some really nice room on a couch all holding microphones and they're like, <laughs> oh, yeah, and usually yeah. they're like reading some stupid thing from Reddit and like being like, whoa, what? Whoa. Which again, you can Welcome cannot... back, Carlos. <laughs> yes, welcome back, Carlos. Sorry, I don't know what happened to my internet. Apologies. You're right. You're right. Um, you missed yeah. the part where uh, Brian well, is talking about his good? TikToking and that's like a whole thing. To Carlos. Oh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Was something happening? I thought I just heard it. Uh, I, I think I think Carlos is uh, on a slight delay, and so oh. his, his we were getting some of his audio feedback. So it's all good. Interesting. Hopefully. Um. Sorry. Can you guys hear me now? Yes. Yes. Okay. Great. Um. But yeah. So like, first of all, it was just interesting to see her like in a gym, and the the TV is turned to this this station that's showing a video of a podcast. Um. But that was another, I mean, you know, it's, it's almost, it's almost funny because like, what's that thing? There's like a, a term for it where like, you can't tell the difference between satire and reality because like reality is too much like satire. Mm, I, I mean, the I'm Trump sure. years. No, it's not like Goodwin's <laughs> law or like, or Godwin's law or whatever it is, or like, you know, but it's one of those like internet things where we've all. Anyway, I couldn't figure out if that was supposed to be a satire of like what that would go like or if that was like real. Like the 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 female podcaster that he was talking to was such a caricature that I wasn't sure if we were supposed to take her seriously or not. No, I I mean I didn't think that that was a parody. Um I think it was I think it was a way for them to kind of show him kind of fraying just a little bit 
and and really kind of lashing out in a way and and you know in a way he is being lashed out against as well so you know they're they're both throwing throwing bricks at each other in a way but i feel like that's that's supposed to kind of show we don't know the timeline but i feel like that's supposed to be post-diagnosis Oh, interesting. And that I thought it was just uh, kind of showing him being at that stage that he kind of always knew he would come to, and he was always kind of warning Julie about, which is um like how how the, like the age difference between them is kind of like insurmountable in his mind because like mm-hmm. clearly okay. he's out of step with whatever the hell's up with that younger uh, the younger host on that that thing, and like he's making all of like the you know, free speech, artistic expression, you know, just because I write something doesn't mean that I agree with it. And she's like, you know, if you don't produce something that perfectly aligns with my moral compass, then it's evil. Yeah. And to me, it was also showing a different side of him. Like to me, it was like, that is a persona that the world will see of him, but clearly she knows him in a different way. And to me, that was more about showing the layers of a person of like who, you know, the, the people that we see on screen or who we believe to be a certain place because of a certain way because of the work. And then there is Julie who clearly knows him on a deeper level and, 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 mm-hmm. and kind of knows how to sort of like, you know, parse between what he's saying on screen and what she really thinks of him as a person. Like, I don't know, that to me was more of a, for her as like to see him in a different light of what she, of the way that she knows him. Oh, I also but- kind of see it in the opposite way. Like she knows him as this fairly mature, intelligent and empathetic and emotionally intelligent person. And then on screen or in his public persona, he comes up, he comes off as kind of a dick, uh, somebody who's more immature or set in his ways or like a provocateur, which is, you know, right. Well, I also think like, it's, it's like he's a bit of an edge lord, and well, especially if you're just if you only know him through these these older comics that they were going after, you know, if you don't, right? But even so, he's doubling down, and I think what what I took away from that is is like the inverse um, that Carlos is. It's like not so much that you see the sweet side of somebody who's who is an edge lord on the outside but she has the privilege of seeing that side of him and doesn't really get that darker side of his personality most times. So it would have made me rethink my relationship. Had I gone through something similarly, I would have been like, uh, my, like, I'm now associated with that. Oh no. I, the, the look on, I'm, I'm, I sort of am the inverse of what you said. I think that like, Is, isn't she laughing? She's laughing. She's, at yeah, that. She's like, she's getting a kick out of it because she's yeah. like, this woman doesn't know what she's talking about. And he's like, I thought she was laughing at him for looking like an ass. Oh, interesting. No, I don't know. That's it. Cause it's, I, 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 I thought, yeah, I thought of something like, Oh, I know this guy. He's just being stupid. Like, I just felt like she was in on him. I don't know. It yeah, didn't no, seem I to me like was it was vibing off of his, his energy. I thought it was a, a vengeful laugh. Like, ugh, my ex looks like a dick. No, because she just thank God I'm not looking anymore. But also, like, she, I don't know. And not enough bile in her expression. I, don't, I never saw her as like having strongly negative feelings towards him ever throughout the film, but I don't know. Maybe that's just. But I think it to me, it's a look of, oh, I just cut my losses. Like, oh, I'm glad no, I'm not then dealing she, with this fallout. No, because then she like goes back to him and like they have like 
I don't I just, like it. Just she goes back to him after he gets cancer. Like it changes the equation. I don't think I know because I don't think she's like there to like be like, haha, God caught up with you. Like I, it really feels like she wants to be there for him because she realizes, and it, it says. It one of the like the title of that section is Axel like or no Bobcat ruins Christmas or whatever, mm-hmm. and I think that that's almost like in that moment she has like realized that she's like still in love with him and still has feelings for him, and that's one of the ways that like the season. Was oh, ruined. I totally misinterpret. I mean, not misinterpret. I totally interpret it completely differently. Oh, that's interesting. No, I, I my I, interpretation was like <sighs> she. It cuts her losses at that moment. No, I think that she is watching that and like fully understands everything that he he is saying. And I cannot... love how you're projecting like your love of Julie <laughs> on this character because that's how you want her to be per- performing or whatever. Like you but want I, her. To I don't be see anything that. in what she does either before or after that scene to support what you were saying. I don't like see, she never and, but we don't know any it. part of Axel. We never see this real side of Axel before this. So how could we? We do. There's a dinner scene early on when he's when he's talking about this, then making his his comics into a movie. And that's the night before she decides to leave him. So I feel like that's the only time where I feel like she doesn't she realizes whatever she realizes about him that she doesn't like when he's he's talking very vehemently about, you know, uh, how they ruin his work in the transition to the movie. Yeah, come she on, also... come on, Robin. The the cat butthole, the starfish. <laughs> no, I'm saying come like that. That she night also... she realizes something that she doesn't like about her or about the relationship, and then the morning after is when she ends the relationship. So that to me is the only time that I see her sort of, you know, showing you know a dislike or a negative uh, towards him because she sees something in him when he's talking about his work in this sort of pedantic way that you know, maybe trigger something in her to finally decide to leave him. I don't know. Well, she also resents the fact uh, maybe resents, not the right word, but she doesn't like the fact that he knows what he wants to do and is, is, is able to shut off the world and do it. Like, and that it, to her, she having not gotten there yet, you know, she, she at some point says like, I always, I, I can't remember what her exact words were because they were in a different language and I was having to read them. Um, and I was caught, I got caught up in the emotion of the scene. So like, I, I remember like the impact of it. So I can't remember her specific words, but she makes a comment about the fact that he was able to sit down with purpose and knowledge of what he wanted and like draw, like have an idea and get to work, making it happen. And she was never able to do that. And that's another reason that that final scene with her is so uh, I think impactful is because she goes home immediately sits down and gets to work you know picking her selects for the pictures and so she is now working at the, with that same level of purpose that she had always admired in him hmm. and that she I think that one of the things that drove her away from him is that the fact that he was kind of there and she didn't want to be with someone who made her feel like she was incomplete because she wasn't there yet. Yeah. And the other guy is more at her level in terms of, you know, what they're doing with their lives. And right. Until and she whatnot. realizes that like, he doesn't maybe have any like ambition like she does. Right. Like, he's oh, happy to ambition, but that she can't even follow up with it. Well, she does after their relationship. But at the, at the end, at the end she does. Yeah. 
eventually like, but yeah well yeah it's just it, she's coming from this place of extreme judgment when there's really nothing wrong with ivan at all and no, there's frankly not. And I, I don't think having two people us... in a relationship that are super ambitious is not always healthy which for is why at the end of the movie she's alone not because like oh like to be ambitious you have to be alone but i think she realizes that you know she doesn't have to be in a relationship for fulfillment and that she can wait She's yeah, probably not alone. She's probably just in between because she's a serial monogamist. I mean, we, we, is she? We, we, mean, we don't know. Uh, oh, yes. She jumps from relationship yeah, to relationship to relationship. she begins the movie without a relationship. No, she doesn't. She begins the movie in a relationship and then breaks off with him as soon as she realizes she doesn't want to be a psychologist or something. Yeah. Oh, it that's does right. Start yeah, with no, her breaking is. up. Yeah, that's with one of the, it, yeah, but, the whole, but, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel like we could go back and forth on this and we're not going to get very far because the film doesn't tell us whether she is or isn't in a relationship at that present time. I mean, she's got the world's smallest apartment. Her work desk is right next to her oven, which actually to me seems like a fantastic bit of architecture. Isn't that just like Norway? Right. Well, that's the thing is also you were like, Oh, (laughs) like, you know, this, she doesn't have to struggle. And I'm like, isn't Norway like borderline socialist and like everyone's healthcare is free and you get like $800 just for being alive. I didn't say she didn't have to struggle. I'm just saying that she just like easily found herself in this type of career. And maybe you don't think it's particularly fancy, but the fact well, that she's well, even we also don't working know how on a movie it is set. Because again, she's fucking had to work at a bookstore for the past three years. I also feel like maybe, it's in, I mean, I took it as like, you know, Axel clearly knows people in the film industry and knows people in the arts. And, you know, maybe he helped her get a job or introduce it to certain people. Like, that's how it's like, I don't know. I like I that. I don't know. I don't know if it's like all self-made, but I do feel like. Didn't they make his his book into a movie? You know, he was connected. He was in a different like I don't know. Maybe that's that's where she was able to actually make that that quick jump into yeah, becoming able a leverage her. like pre- previous friendships, maybe. Right. But also, just know. like yeah. again, like although all of this is clearly implied on or, or like sort of like just me sort of like making sort of connections that are not explicitly no. said in the film. Well, yeah, it's not an Aaron Sorkin film. You know, like no one just walks in and goes like, oh, you're Julia. You went to this school and you had these jobs and now you're here. Like <laughs> my least favorite tick of Aaron Sorkin is at some point, either the character or a character related to the character has to read out their entire curriculum vitae. Um, <laughs> it's so fucking annoying oh by the way i found it it's called poe's law it's an adage <laughs> of internet culture stating that without a clear indicator of the author's intent every parody of extremist views can be mistaken by some readers for a sincere expression of the views being parodied sure it's, who said that like, I, who thinks I, I understand that, that. i'm who sorry thinks that this is what the viewpoint of the movie is what no i was talking about this was back when we were still talking about like the podcast within the movie yeah, and and he's saying that this is Poe's law that she's basically kind of like skewering him for. Oh, you is, mean the journalist saying, in the movie is? Yeah, yeah. Right. No, you can either he say doubles that she, down on it. She he is a victim is, of Poe's law, or he is Poe's law incarnate. And either way, it's it's funny because he makes mention of the fact that, like, well, you know, I, I, you know, if if I were to write this, you know, in my heightened extreme way, you know, instead of having this like civil conversation you know, my character would probably like, you know, flip out and call you a whore. And she like, cannot get beyond the fact that he even spoke that word. And then at the end of the interview, she's like, the term is sex worker, by the way. 
Like that was going to make the difference in what he said. Yeah, I thought that like, was weird because not fully I also that he I mean that character about... is very much like a a parody of a feminist. Oh, but, in a way okay, that... but that was that's why I brought up Poe's law. Is it a parody or is that person an actual expression of like what one of those conversations would be like? I don't know if that's parodic. I think that in the world of this movie, she's I agree. like completely normal. And I feel like you could go on Twitter and find someone who uses like who basically would have that exact conversation in earnest. Well, let's also talk about why the fuck they would interview the artist behind this film that is coming out. That is clearly like a very bleached and like toned down version of like, he wouldn't be on the airwaves. He would, he would not want to be any part of this. I would about to say the PR company probably would have like kidnapped him and <laughs> tied him up in a burlap sack to keep him. Well, I feel I feel like he knew what he was going for and he decided to like I feel like they were like, oh, they want to confront you about this. And he just took to sort of I don't want to say debate, but he was like, yes, I'll debate them. I'll, uh, and, I mean, I feel like yeah. he knew exactly what he was doing, whether he wasn't supposed to be on the OS or not. I feel like they he's always been a controversial feature figure and then now with this movie coming out it was an opportunity i got real james gunn vibes from that whole situation sure not not just because i think one of his characters was a pedophile parrot do i am i (laughs) yeah pedo pedo the parrot yeah yeah so i don't know that whole whole uh, situation is weird but um but yeah no, I don't think he came across well in that interview. I think that he came across better than the interviewer. At least, at least, I think he came across better in the eyes of Julie. I think she I wasn't think bothered. That she by. came across. I, I think she, the woman came across as a fake idea of what a woman like that would be. Interesting. I don't find that to be a fake idea of what a woman like that would be. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know. Okay. Having, Agree having to seen, disagree. Having, we, ha- we can move again, past having, that. Having, having scrolled through TikTok and seen people earnestly responding to things, I have heard those words spoken in earnest, or at least, you know, performatively Who actually says things like, how dare you call me a whore? It's a, like my... <laughs> Like, how dare you call me a, a whore? The term is sex worker said by somebody who is trying to rewrite the insult against her. Like, that's absurd. Look, man, well, the think- world is strange. Did you never see that video of the person who thinks that strawberry milk is vegan because it comes from strawberries and not cows? <laughs> like, I am well, still me, not positive if that video is a parody or not. Well, it's kind of like people on Twitter today in the last few days, you know, being in earnest, just very so not not joking around. In earnest, saying that if you don't like Coda, you you don't care about you know people with disabilities or people that are deaf. Oh Jesus! So, well, so that's, that's sort of yeah. That's how I, I read this. That's how I read this character as someone that would say those extreme statements. That you know, I don't know. That's and, that's that's the way that you come across. To and me. again, I think that the that the purpose of that that scene and Julia's reaction to it, and her name is spelled Julie, but everyone in the movie says Julia. Because it's Yulia because the E is a. Yeah. So I, yeah. I I realize that I've probably said her name six different ways, and I it's because I'm very tired and I cannot figure out which one I'm going to say. And if I'm remembering someone speaking her name, I'm going to say it closer to the real way. But I think that the whole point of that scene is to show again him 
being correct about the difference in their in their ages leading to like different worldviews and like you know him you know being edged out by this younger this younger generation that's coming up but also to kind of show their kinship in her being able to find humor in the um the absurdity of the whole thing and sort of being on his side but still finding it funny that this whole thing is even happening at all and that he's engaging and I I just completely interpreted it in the opposite way that she was like ugh this is embarrassing like she was laughing at him well let's uh let's try to get Oh, I was going to say the actress's name, and I just can't. Anyone? Renata. Renata Rainsby. Renata on and see what she says. I don't know. I. I mean, I would love to ask a woman. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it would be great to hear what she, you know, her says what she thinks that scene represented for her character. Because it's interesting. It's one of the shortest chapters, right? So, like, it's it's interesting because a lot of these chapters are are quite are quite long, and this one was literally, you know, it says Bobcat ruins Christmas. It's Christmas time, and by the way, Christmas in Oslo apparently is gorgeous. Um, and she's working out, and she sees him, and like, you know, tunes to that channel and stops running and walks closer to the TV. And then when it's over, that whole scene is over. And it, it's and we don't really get to see the impact of it. But like, the, it it felt to me that that was like something of a a turning point in the movie, like that she had left him for this, you know, Ivan guy, and now she's seeing that, and you know, she's having this this kind of like realization this like sensation about it and like maybe it did take like leaving and going with someone else to like you know have that that reaction to him and then you know afterwards finding out about his diagnosis and then kind of you know becoming close to him again um yeah i don't know it was it was it was interesting to me but also it's not like she's coming back to him the only reason that she even connects with him is because she finds out that he's dying Right, yeah, no, it's not like they're going to get together, him. but like, but I she, but she, she, she didn't have to go see him though. Like, there was nothing forcing. Like, she clearly could have been like, "Well, that's done. I don't care," you know, or give him a call. But she decides to go see. Yeah, him. but it's not that she. But the whole thing is that it's not like she never cared about him. It's that he. This ultimately was not the final relationship of her life, or she didn't want it to be the final relationship of her life. Right, right. I'm just saying. Like, I don't. I did not read her reaction to the podcast in the way that you read it, because to me, if that was the case that she felt sort of very indifferent about him, I'd be like, Oh, I touched that bullet. I don't think she would have felt that she needed to go see him in person. Like that's what I don't see the relationship between those two. Those yeah. two things. I, I, what I see it is it's not so much that she hates him. It's more of just like this idea that like, Oh, he just made a fool of himself. I am glad that I am no longer having to clean that mess up. I think that's very different than deciding she doesn't want to see a dying man that she used to love like those are those are not mutually i don't know maybe it's just because i'm a horrible human being but like if if that's how i felt about someone and i found out that they had prostate cancer or pancreatic cancer i'm sorry i i wouldn't go see them yeah (laughs) me neither i I want to give a call or something that's a very different experience i i could still feel like wow i'm glad i'm not in a relationship with you you're an embarrassment and also but then oh, why man, would you like, but then sick. why would you court such deep you know re- retrospective conversations about it and and like 
you know, exercise such radical honesty with him. Like, you know, there, there's why such wouldn't a, you? Because fuck him. I don't know. I I don't understand staying well, friends but with we, your ex. I like so. Yeah, like, you, know, you 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 are very much a burn a bridge. So yeah, yeah. Fuck. I keep everybody in my life. That sounds exhausting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know how you can have. A but life she also it. doesn't have a kid. <laughs> I mean, I was burning bridges before I even had a kid, you know? Yeah. You know, it just like I don't need that shit in my life. Like it's it's weird. I'm not to a me bridge burner. Things. I'd rather keep tabs on people. You can do that without a bridge, uh, because of Instagram. Just don't like their photo I think Instagram is in. the bridge. No. I See, think like, my ex has like a great Instagram and I think he's a wonderful photographer and I like every photo of his. Ex, if I was your ex, I would fucking hate you. That's he probably would, does hate me. Like I'm anytime, pretty sure he does. Anytime really that my exes like one of my photos, I'm like, why are you still following me? Like it's it. it he could block me if he wants to. But then that makes it so. Then my issue then is like, oh, I'm gonna like click on your thing and like go to the effort of blocking you. Like then that's gonna give you the satisfaction of knowing. Maybe you should have less feelings about somebody liking your photo. Uh, it's impossible. Yeah, that Only seems like, wasteful. I don't get enough likes to let a like go unnoticed. <laughs> <laughs> if I were getting 4,000 likes, I could be like, whatever, another drop in the ocean. But if you're like 120th of my likes, that's a pretty big aspect of my likes. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, maybe that's it. I would, if I found out that any of my exes up to and including my ex-wife had pancreatic cancer i would not go visit them in the hospital you wouldn't visit your I don't daughter's want my fucking mother? ex-wife to come to my funeral i i am hoping she dies first so i don't have I to write you're this the extremist i am not the extremist here <laughs> like yeah, I, I, think well, I, Julia, I don't. I don't think either of y'all are are on the uh, on the middle, Robin. I think I think there's there's room in the middle for right, between could, the two of you. You could quietly appreciate your ex's photos. You don't have to like them. You don't have to double tap. He's Robin. a great photographer. He what knows is it. it? Don't going like back, the photos. Going back to the movie, I just feel like if I was Julia and I felt that he was an embarrassment, I would not go see him. Like, right. I just don't make that connection of her thinking like, oh, look at that fool making, you know, he's an embarrassment on screen. But then I'm also going to go see him because he's dying. Right. I don't well, see. Oh, you know, those are not mutually no, exclusive it, things. Those are like, the exact same thing. I am 100. Carlos, you and me, we're getting a beer together because I agree. She would not go and see him. She would definitely not go back multiple times and she would not then have mm. these long reflective conversations like about the relationship because at that point she wouldn't give a shit about his opinion you can think someone's a fucking douche and also love them absolutely not <laughs> that yes you can 100 percent. no i don't think that she i think that she is on his side and that part of the end of this movie is her realizing that she now probably is closer to him than she is to uh ivand and that, like, had she, she probably needed a relationship like she had with Ivan to be able to enter the kind of relationship that Axel wanted to have. Mm-hmm. But, like, she was not ready to have that relationship when Axel was. And it was on him 100% for trying to make her fit that role and, like, hoping that staying with him, she would eventually, like, morph into it. You know? Like, like their breakup well, conversation I mean, was, like, ev- deeply everybody. painful. 
But like everybody goes through that though, Brian, where where you you see some kind of fatal flaw in someone early on in a relationship and you're like, but maybe we can turn into the the, the right, I'm not saying he's like singularly the terrible. Curve. I'm saying that that's one of the things that I like about this movie is is in creating this very specific relationship, it hits upon what's probably like a basic fundamental human truth. And that's why the end of the movie was so resonant for me. Um, and one of the reasons why I said like, this is a good movie. Again, I don't think it's like the, the, the end all be all that a lot of people have made it out to be. Um, you know, but like, I still, I still found it valuable in that way. I don't know. I feel like you, you're, I feel like a lot of the readings that I'm hearing are very narrow views of like how people function. And maybe that's how you guys function. It's certainly not how I function. Like I can hold more than one feeling about somebody inside of me and still like have a relationship with them. I just, if you, if you felt that way about someone that you were laughing at them on the news and like thinking like, wow, I dodged a bullet. I don't know why you would invest any kind of emotional capital in them later on. Especially because she's not calling him or sending flowers. She's like going to visit him and engage in him for a long time. Like, I don't know. Maybe that's been like days together. Yeah. But I kind of see that as like egotistical in some ways. Yeah. Yeah, So she could take photos of it. Everything is copy in her viewpoint. I don't think I, so because we I don't really think so. seen that previously. I feel like spending. I think that it's time a bit egotistical, him, honestly. Like I she's think that, getting something out of it, and it's not really about him. But no, she's I not think. using those photos for anything, right? Like right, it's just, not, if 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 she you don't know that if she ended up in a gallery at the end of the movie with a series called "Watching Axel Die," you know, which would probably sound maybe a lot she better will. In <laughs> Then I would agree with you. You don't know I, that. You I really think, don't know I that. I think she is spending time with a person who she respects and that in in having these conversations that only can be had because of the um, emotional buffer zone of he's going to be dead soon anyway. <laughs> so we're not trying to get back together. We can have this kind of clarity and this kind of honesty I think that that is what ignites in her at last, along with the fact that she is at that point pregnant and completely uncertain of what to do, like a catalyst for finally like gathering herself towards her photography. And that in being with him and taking those pictures of him, which is like the only time we ever really see her taking photos in the entire fucking movie. Um, except for the end when she's like the still photographer on set. Yeah, because she's like, a dilettante. <laughs> right. But that's what I'm saying is that being with him and hearing about him and seeing the way that he viewed her finally helped her to catalyze into something beyond being a dilettante and actually take. Oh, this so what you're saying seriously. is that her relationship with a man shaped her into the woman that she's becoming because women are always molded by men. No, any relationship that you have with any romantic partner is going to shape you into the person. She just happens to be a heterosexual woman. And so it is a man. Like, am I wrong? Like, do, 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 you know, lesbians and bisexuals and homosexual men and like, you know, polyamorous, polygamist. Yeah, but do they you know, draw trans people? Do they not the become shadow of their, their artist partner? Like the whole thing is that she's 
both in awe of and jealous of the career that he has. Yeah. And she also takes advantage of it. Like, and as this older partner, he's trying to shape her into the woman he wants, the mother of his child. Like, yeah. So, of course, she bristles at that. Right. Which is why I don't think the movie ever, ever, like, casts a disparaging eye towards any of her choices. Like, it would be very easy for this movie to have a glib kind of certainty of, like, her buffoonishness, but that's not what it does. I think it's a little glib toward her, the the, uh, narrator. I think the narrator is imbuing these very common, you know, human moments with a kind of, uh, like, a kind of literary significance. But, like, you know, you're already making a movie about this person, so you can't pretend to downplay it. You're pouring millions of dollars and thousands of man hours into telling the story. So like, yeah, why not give it a little bit of a heightening that's contrasted against, you know, these, these very banal moments in a person's life. Does anyone agree with me? (laughs) Carlos, what are you thinking? Yeah. I mean, I think that I don't see the, the sort of disparaging eye on her, but that's just, you know, clearly this is one of those movies that like, affects people differently based on you know whatever you've gone through or experience in relationships or in life and i don't know i i guess i i was along for her very messy or what i interpret as a messy ride that just felt very realistic and sort of like relatable um you know in spite of me not knowing what a woman in her of her age goes through you know uh in terms of kids and you know the expectations and whatnot um i was just very I just felt very connected to the decisions and choices that sometimes feel messy and, and weird, but that made sense to to me emotionally, at least for this character. Do you all like Julie? I think she's a messy, imperfect character. I don't I don't know whether I'm supposed to like her or not. I certainly feel like we are not supposed to be rooting for her when she's breaking up with Axel to go chase Ivan. But I think we also have to remember the context of her life right now is that she doesn't see this as like a permanent thing and that she still is in a a phase of self-discovery and she's going through kind of a moment of crisis and stuff like that where she's in a relationship where the next step he's kind of hinting at is her having kids and she's like whoa whoa whoa, whoa. i don't even know who the fuck i am right um so i, I think, think that yeah i think the movie feels very fair to all the three main characters to me it just feels like i don't think it really it glorifies or vilifies i any of the three of them even ivan you know it's presented as a character that might not have the ambition that she has but that his own you know, wants and needs for perhaps, you know, more traditional life and a family or ballot. So I just feel like the way to me, the way it was written feels very fair and sort of considerate and compassionate to all three of them. Uh, If I didn't have a child, I probably would date Julia. So yeah, I guess I liked her. Um, But (laughs) but you also have already Uh said like she, she was, she was a beautiful person. So what can I say? But um, what was I, I, but Ivan didn't want to have children, right? Like when they were together, his yes, whole that's thing the was, first thing. I that... Don't want kids, and she's like, "Well, yes. I now might be pregnant, and I don't know if I want this kid or not." And then at the end of the movie, we see him, and he has a kid, and he he doesn't have the kind of sitcommy like 
haven't slept in seven days, like really upset about this. Like he seems to truly love that child. And, you know, he seems happy with, with whomever he is, he is, uh, you know, having. Was it his ex? I couldn't tell. I I don't think we're supposed to be able to tell. I feel like we only ever saw her from behind. Who? 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 Hit the, the, the mother, mother of, of his, his child. Daughter. Oh, hell no. Oh, no, the, that's the actress. It's the, it's the actress from the movie. Oh, okay. the it is that, the actress. All right. Yeah, it's the actress Wait, from the what? movie that the, the, the actress from the movie that Julie's taking photos of. She's a, the woman that she's taking the photo of at the end of the film. That's yeah. the, that's who he ends that's up with. Wait, what? Yeah, I yes. did not pick up on that. I thought it was, yeah. but then I was like, oh, maybe it's not. So I'm glad. Yeah, that's too coincidental. She exits oh, the. Oh, for fuck's sake, Robin, it's a movie. <laughs> Mm, yeah, but it's a movie that wants to be realistic. This is a bitchy crackers think... in the corner. No, it's not. <laughs> it's totally. Yeah. It's. I probably gave it the same rating as you. What like, did you give it? Three out of four. I gave it a three point five out of five. So I don't know what that means. That's like roughly the same. <laughs> Damn you and your fours. that was that was was definitely (laughs) robin going i will prove my point by giving you an algorithm that doesn't make any sense and then saying no yeah my my numbers make sense my math my math lines up (laughs) fine you do the algebra and you figure it out no i'm not i'm not gonna find that out no thank you i i i anything that is not a whole number i go fuck you to that uh, that <laughs> Fuck formulation. You fractions. Yeah, I hate fractions. Yeah, Fuck fractions. fractions are terrible. Um, what was I gonna say? I don't. I don't. It's it's a move. I mean, she walks into this fucking wedding and no one says boo about it. Like that's not too. Yeah, that that was a very small wedding too. And I did love. I did love that in they someone's end house. up <laughs> right yeah, it's in like someone's in house, private residence. It's not like that, she walked into a Bennigan's. I love that the coat room is just a room with a bed that people have decided, okay, we're just going to start throwing okay, our wait, fucking coats on no, the Bill, bed. Maybe you don't know enough about coats because you come from a warm climate. But, <laughs> Robin, like, okay, the, the coat room and throwing your coats on the bed is a thing. It's definitely a thing. Yeah. In fact, what? Dane Cook. Yeah, for sure a thing. <laughs> Dane Cook had a whole runner in like his breakout stand-up special about shitting on coats. That sounds that like a thing he would do. Yeah. No. All right. So when I was a kid, like there was the whole thing. You come into the house. It's cold outside. Everyone's got their coats on. It's like, oh, okay, give me your coats. I'm going to throw them up on the bed. Because you don't have enough fucking hangers and closet space for 40 people's coats. You don't want to just toss them on the ground. So what are you going to do? You're going to lay them on a bed. Because that way they're spread out. They're not going to get rumpled. Okay. But A... Right. <laughs> let's 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 talk about what she's wearing at this outdoor wedding, which is a strapless gown, right? So is it strapless? Uh, or it, it's got it's got spaghetti straps, right? Okay, it's sleeveless. Straps, so okay, fine. But so it's one of those gowns, so clearly it is not cold in this climate at this present time, right? Or she is super drunk. <laughs> Uh, no, um, I'm going to say no. Um, and yeah, so basically what I'm thinking is all of those coats are tuxedo jackets and I'm like, uh, no, you hang that on the back of your chair. What the fuck are we doing? Bill, I think it's coats. I think it's, I don't know okay. why we're talking this much about it. People wear coats in, in Norway cause it does get cold there. 
She has already been proven to be a person who might not think clearly and fully and thoroughly about what she's doing. And uh, I think that they, they just had some fucking coats and they put them on a bed because you do put coats on a bed. That's I, it. I just we're moving that, on. We're moving on. I, I thought that, no, 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 no. You cannot tell me we're moving on after talking about uh, interrogating whether uh, she wanted to visit him because she thought he was a, a buffoon or not or for the last like 25 minutes. That is thematically no, you relevant. You cannot tell and me. We are not talking about the, no. the substantial necessity of wearing a coat and or where do you place I didn't coat. even bring that up. In order to say that's ridiculous that there's a coats on the bed, I brought that up because I thought it was funny that they're laying on top of the bed. Oh, yes. They could have definitely found a different bed. I'm sure that that wasn't a one bed. Or just put them over to the side so every no, time someone comes in. No, oh, fuck that. <laughs> I'm moving. I'm shoving all those coats onto the ground. Very personally. strong opinions on coats. You're a dick, <laughs> Carlos, yeah. have you ever been well, to a, you've been to a party where people put their coats on a bed? Yeah. Yeah. See, this is a known thing, Bill. Well, okay, coats, whatever. And, uh, coats, coats and bags and stuff that people don't want to just put them in a room. Yeah. Oh, weird. See, if I go to a place, I don't put my bag nowhere. My bag stays with me. <laughs> well, what kind of bag do you have, Ryan? I have my messenger bag. A man bag purse? With, uh, I have a messenger bag with my uh, journal and... Shut up, Robin. And... <laughs> Oh my god, does it have your poetry in it? Uh, Alright, shut up, Robin. And I hate my ex. I never want to see her again. I want love. Uh, no, it has one poem in it. I'm not good at poems. Uh, but it mostly has his random ideas for whiskey formulations, uh, shopping mm-hmm. lists, and um, drawings that my daughter does. Uh, and what was the other thing I was going to say? It's also got when are you coming out with bottle. Fireball? Never. Um, I might make an apple pie though. So if you like apple pie moonshine, go to inkwellwhiskey.com. Um, wait, uh, what? Inkwellwhiskey.com. Is that yours? That's my specific line underneath the spirits brand. Um, I was like, I was like, wait, what? What just happened? I know. Right. (laughs) Um, this is why I had to not go on a date today because I needed to be there for the first ever distillation of what is going to be my branded whiskey. Anyway, uh, I what else is in my bag? A camera and a water bottle and band-aids for my daughter because she, not to brag, gets cuts and scrapes all the goddamn time. <laughs> Regular Wolverine over here. Oh my god! Yeah, Jesus Christ. Um, it is funny though whenever it happens and some parents like, oh my god, what are we gonna do? And I'm just like, I've got band-aids. Anyway, uh, well, yeah. former Anyways, former so, Boy Scout here. So, yeah, over here, one hundred percent. So my bag goes nowhere. Uh, I keep my bag with me at all times. So That's right. Uh, er- Erica, comes to you. Erica, Erica gave me a lot of shit because uh, w- my next door neighbor is like a former special forces guy, and uh, he sold us on uh, giving us free uh, tourniquets um, after That's talking awesome. to us about because uh, his life is actually saved by a tourniquet, but. Um, he he gave us tourniquets and I was like, this is dope. This is cool. Like I know how to use this now. And so we went on a skiing trip and of course I packed a tourniquet in my backpack. That was a carry on, which when they saw and they saw the metal prong inside the tourniquet (laughs) wrap, they were like, Oh, what the fuck is that? Is that a lethal weapon? And I was like, 
No, this is actually how Quite I would the save opposite, people. Sir. Yeah, this is <laughs> meant to save lives. <laughs> so that was that was an interesting conversation. But yeah. yeah, I felt I felt like a real doofus when they were like, uh, w- "What's this long metal rod?" And I was like, "Well, you see, you twist that, and you keep twisting that, yeah, until the blood, tight, yeah." You know, which is funny because <laughs> they, they like a tourniquet's like a. Why are we talking about this? A tourniquet is a thing of last resort because, you know, you clamp yes, off the blood, but you clamp much. off the blood to the whole limb. So if you can't get somewhere fast, you're losing that goddamn limb. Yeah. But Versus, it's, uh, but you yeah, got to do it because yeah. otherwise you bleed to death. You know, it's, uh, you got you to gotta make hard choices in life. Like, do you want to stay with the underground cartoonist or do you want to hook up with the barista? Okay, but who is hotter? I mean, we didn't really establish this. Carlos, I think Axel's think Axel hotter. Is I think Ivan's got kind of a dopey face. <laughs> He's all mouth, but I'm kind of into it. Yeah, I don't know. Like he sleeps. He's he sleeps with his mouth open. I'm a I'm a no. I think they have Axel. better chemistry, though. All right, once again, Carlos, you and me, we're getting a beer. <laughs> just Axel like, is like a classically handsomer, but I feel like Ivan. They just have like more of a a sensual bond or something. There's just better chemistry. I, don't know. I, I love I love the sequence where uh, they're laying in the medical bed and he slowly moves his hand from her hip to her boob and she puts it back and they just don't even say anything. <laughs> it's just like, no, that's not what's going to happen here. <laughs> well, okay. At least she knew her boundaries. I don't know. If I think I'm we're done. I have pantry out of cancer. I'm definitely trying to cop one last feel. <laughs> she should have just let him like uh, whatever. <laughs> I mean, I mean, she like, did like she didn't necessarily like slap his hand. She just moved it back. She was just like, OK, fair. No. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, like she could have she could have gotten up and left after that. So I do. So I, I am curious. It's so like innocuous, though. Like once you bang someone. Like, See, you you say that, Robin, and you have Carlos and Brian on the line. So, you know, watch what you say. I don't know. Wait, what I, does that if, mean? If I bang someone because, and then because they Brian, like... Brian wants to fucking burn the bridge. So he's like, no, if I bang them and am no longer banging them, I don't want to fucking be in their vicinity. <laughs> so, you know. Right. I'm like, just like, whatever. You me. got history with someone. Like, if I'm about to die, I want to touch a breast I've never touched before. I don't want to go back. Anna <laughs> 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 Darmus. Yes. Real quick. My, my make a wish would be hi, Anna. Can I please feel you up for a half <laughs> second? Does she even have boobs? Like, I mean, well, I you're yes. about to find out when you watch Deep Water, available now on Hulu. Oh, spoiler alert, titties. Tits. <laughs> globe report incoming. <laughs> oh, yeah. Robin, what's your globe report on Julia? It's an orb report. Oh, yeah, and that's it. Oh, yeah. Non-registrant. Like, I wow. didn't think about it. Damn. Wow. Fucking burn on Julia. No, just like sometimes you're like, wow. And then sometimes you're like, I'm not even thinking about it. Okay. okay. Um, <laughs> on that note, let's get <laughs> the fuck out of here. We, before we get the fuck out of here, I we, we haven't talked. We have not talked nearly enough about the fact that the movie culminates with her having a pregnancy scare. 
and then uh, that pregnancy scare is 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 resolved. I guess is the way to put it by her having a, a miscarriage. I presume. Yeah. Um, and so, Robin, I'm curious. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Like, did you find that to be a convenient- Jesus Christ? That's your, your yeah, because your, that's your a huge closing. part of this. And as as Robin, <laughs> I'm I'm like, concept- let's wrap this up. And no. you're like, no, hold on, I have another 15 minutes of discussion <laughs> yeah, I want to bring up. No, it's not. It's not a 15 minute discussion. It's really not. Um, I thought the smile, like she smiles at the end, and I was like, okay, like it, it was a narrative cop out in some ways to give her that miscarriage um which you see this actually quite a bit like the the pregnancy comes up as a as a test for the main character without actually having any consequences um so that you know i think it would have been really interesting if she'd actually had the baby it would have been interesting if she'd actually been able to make a choice whether that's uh terminating the pregnancy or keeping it or whatever so the fact that she has a miscarriage was like oh okay so now she just gets to live her life without even contemplating this further, which right. is fine. I do think it opens up the ability for her to make that final choice to like pursue photography in earnest though. So probably, like, probably I, right. And, and you know, there is a part of me where I'm I, every once in a while, I'm like, Oh, they're just going to resolve this with uh, a miscarriage. Cause they don't want to have a character have an abortion and they don't want to introduce a baby. Right. But then I think about it and I, I, ha- I have to imagine that miscarriages happen more than, abortions so like they're pretty common like one they're in four so common like it's something. um i'm not gonna i know a lot of people who have miscarried and it's it's yeah uh, and it's i it's, know an upsetting amount of people as well so. yeah and that's you know to the point where like when when my my at the time wife and i found out that she was pregnant they were like yeah you know but like don't go telling everyone don't say anything because, yeah like, you know up to like week 12 or honestly week 16 like you know anything can happen and I remember hearing that and being like pre devastated, <laughs> just sure. like holding my breath for like mm-hmm. four weeks, just being like, "Oh my god, all right, can't like can't get too invested in this, can't like you know, let's just hold on." Yeah, it was rough, but like so, so there is you know, I think that it is more of a almost more of a reflection of a reality to have that happen, and then for that to be like the clarifying moment that defines what you know you want. So in that way, I did not find it to be a cop-out, and I actually quite liked it. I'm surprised. Why are you surprised? Um, Because I thought you'd be more in line with the idea that this narrative deus ex machina would... Or rather that it would be a deus ex machina. If she had, like, slipped on some ice, you know, and, like, something had happened, like, or if, like... Oh like, the, I think that if it doesn't it it feels like deus ex machina yeah except for the fact that like as i just said i know a distressing amount of people and especially like people who really 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 wanted children who've had this happen like it's it's a staggeringly common thing so it's like you know it it only if it were like a rare thing if it were you know a type of thing like you know if it were like having a baby in an elevator which seems to happen in like every single sitcom then it's like, oh my god, this is hacky. But like the fact that you're just reflecting biological reality for like a wide swath of the population, honestly, just like it 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 resonates with me. It makes a lot of sense. Especially just because again, it didn't come about because of any trauma or anything. It's just it's just what happened. Like, and that's 
I think the more there's an episode of Bojack Horseman where spoilers for Bojack Horseman, I guess princess Carolyn is, is trying to have a child and um, you know, is, is pretty far along, but has a miscarriage and the doctor, uh, the albino rhino gyno um, <laughs> basically she asks like why? And he said, he like blows her off cause he's a callous asshole. And he says like, Maybe you wanted it too much. Maybe you didn't want it enough. Maybe you tried too hard. Who knows? And it's it is that kind of like, you know, kind of devastating ambiguity in a thing like that. Like sometimes there's no reason. Sometimes this is just how like the body functions. And so like, yeah, seeing it reflected in that way in this movie where like she hasn't come to a decision. She's uncertain what she wants to do. And then like nature just kind of takes care of it for her is like, oh, okay, yeah, that's that's how this that's probably how this happens for the wide majority of people for whom it happens. It's not because they were in a car accident or like fell down some fucking stairs or something. It's just that's how it happened. So that's why I was fine with it, Robin. Okay. Cool. Any final thoughts on this movie before we wrap it up? Carlos, do you have any final things you'd like to say? Um, not that I'm a big fan of it. I it was a four star for me. It's probably one of my favorites of last year. I'm Is that four re- out of five or four out of four? Four out of four for I reviewed it for Roger Ever and oh, their okay, highest yeah. rating is four. So it was yeah. It was four, four stars. Four stars. <laughs> the true way. <laughs> See, I think this conversation has bumped it up to four stars for me, but I'm doing it out of five stars. So Okay. Hey, half a star. You know, it was yeah, it was up half a star. Which I remember I gave uh Batman a half a star. Just because I was able to go see it at 4 p.m. instead of 8 p.m. Uh, so my ratings really mean nothing. But yes, I enjoyed this movie. I love talking about it with all you fine folk. And um, I'm excited that uh, people are going to get to hear us. So that's it. Um, uh-uh. Nope. I got one last thing. Okay. What is it? Uh, Coats? Oh. No, it's about COVID. Uh, why is she wearing a mask on the film set at the very end when no other time in this film does anyone wear a mask? Because I they, think it's supposed to reflect weird. the passage of jump time in yeah. COVID. Oh, that's right. It is two years jump. Okay. Years. Yeah. Is it four? I thought it was yeah. a two-year jump. It's, so they they then the, the say, span of the whole thing is four. Yeah, the span of the whole yeah thing yeah. Is but four but years, but so. that that specific sequence from from her not being pregnant to uh to the the the, photography the film set like yeah yeah i think it says it says two years later yeah. so okay. so yes it cool. is at that point they have entered or are exiting the covid times yep okay, okay. cool yeah yeah um and uh yes yeah, so that's cool all right all right uh so that's it for today uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you to our guest, Carlos Aguilar, for joining us as well. Robin Barr, what are we talking about next week? I think we're doing deep water. Deep water. Yeah, we are. Yeah. We're going deep. Going to go deep <laughs> in deep water. Uh, can't wait. Going to be so fun. Robin, get hyped. Um, <laughs> I, I said to my husband earlier, I was like, oh, we got to watch deep water next week. And he's like, ugh. That Mark Wahlberg I'm movie like, where the rig explodes? <laughs> what is that called? Deep Horizon? That movie with the sharks that are super intelligent? No, he knew what I was talking about. That Terrence Davies Deepest movie bluest. that takes place in the day? Deepest, bluest. Right? That's a, <laughs> Anyway, I'm done. 
So yes, next week we'll be talking about Deep Water, which is on Hulu and stars Ben Affleck and Anna Armas. So check it out. It is fun and it is full of slugs. Um, I'm sorry, not slugs, snails. And uh, can't wait to chat. <laughs> the slug is Ben Affleck. <laughs> no, it's actually Tracy Letts. Um, mm. Anyway, uh, anyway, anyway, anyway. Uh, don't forget to go to patreon.com slash show to give us your money. Don't forget that we were brought to you by Mubi, M-U-B-I dot com slash filmstage. Uh, the only place where you can watch Joe Swanberg's Drinking Buddies and Jaffer Benahi's Crimson Gold all in the same place. M-U-B-I dot com slash filmstage for a free 30-day trial. Let's tell the fine people at home where we can be found between now and the next time that we are in their ears. We go to their guests, Carlos Aguilar. Where can people find your work online? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm mostly on Twitter, uh, Carlos underscore film. Um, where I publish all the things I write. Awesome. Bill Graham. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at CableBFG. Uh, I finally signed back in. And then uh, you can find me on Instagram at BillStagram. And of course, mixing it up in the Slack channel where we're having in-depth conversations about John Calipari and his legacy at Kentucky. What? I don't even know what those what words the mean. What fuck did any of that mean? <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, y'all are not in the sports channel. No, 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 Yet. I'm not. Uh, I've been seeing a lot of people screaming about Coda, which is a great film <laughs> that I am happy is getting awards buzz. It's a what film? It's a great film. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's, it's a film I find very, very bad, but I mean, it's it is, a film. It's a, it's a film. Yeah, There's it's a, a film. lot happening right now. Uh, well, all I have to say, Carlos, is clearly you are not an ally to the deaf community, and um, <laughs> you should be and ashamed you're a of sex yourself. Worker. And <laughs> the term is sex worker. Yes. yes. <laughs> <true>. <laughs> uh, we're all friends here. All right, Robin Barr, what about yourself? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at R-O-B-Y-N-B-A-H-R. Uh, you can sometimes find my work at The Hollywood Reporter. And as for me, uh, I can be found at uh, my personal site, BrianJerone.com. Again, if you want to learn more about my personal line of whiskey that I'm starting to create, it's InkwellWhiskey.com. And uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram. If you want to follow my Instagram and add to the 20 people who like my stuff sometimes... Um, help me to drown out my exes uh, go to Brian J. Rowan on Instagram and uh, what else uh, you can find every episode of this year podcast as well as writings that we have done over at thefilmstage.com so ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for joining us and tune in next week Bye.